Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the How to Bible Podcast. My name is Levi, and I am the host of this podcast, and thank you so much for tuning in and contributing your feedback to this podcast. Stay tuned as we dive into our next episode. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in to another episode of the How to Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Levi. Uh, it's a pleasure to be back, finally, kind of on my feet and ready to go. Um, we've had some health scares in the last 18 months, and of course now we have this fantastic coronavirus, um, which I'd like to say, just real quick, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, when it comes to these these viruses and things like that, these have been around for a very, very long time. Uh, this doesn't surprise God. This isn't um, something that catches him by surprise, that he didn't plan for, that he doesn't have a contingency plan for, that he didn't, uh, that he didn't create. So this is this isn't anything that um, that catches him by surprise. Um, I know it does for us because we're scrambling to get supplies, we're scrambling to get resources, we're scrambling to to make ends meet, and there's a lot of unknown on our end. So we have to be able to put our trust, put our hope in uh, in Jesus and in in what what God is doing um, through all this. And there's a difference between living a, a a faith that's active and a faith that's passive. And the passive faith says in their prayer life, they'll they'll pray before they go out and say, Lord, you know, I, I'm just asking, Father, that you would bring us uh, an opportunity to serve, bring us someone to bless. And then they go out to their day and they don't look for that opportunity. They don't open their eyes. What they want is somebody to just drop it in their lap, you know, with a fingerprint of God on it and say, here it is, you know, the, the voice from heaven saying, this is what you need to do. And that's passive faith. Active faith... Uh, does the same thing up in the morning praying early lord you know give me an opportunity to serve show me somebody to bless and then going out and looking for that opportunity creating those opportunities to bless people um, and not just waiting for that that holy prophet you know message to be dropped in your lap and say this is the person today or that's the person getting out there and, and just being as faithful as we can uh, is the most important part um, I don't know about you guys or where you're at right now. Uh, our family is, um, my kids are no longer going to school. Uh, they, they're at home. My wife's a school teacher, so she still has to kind of go back and forth from school to, um, to take care of online things. They're trying to transfer everything over to be an online school, uh, and there's a lot of challenges in that. Uh, fortunately, we're blessed because she's a school teacher and she can be home and teach our kids. And So we're going to be doing some homeschooling. We're going to be doing some, uh, some flying by the seat of her pants uh, just trying to stay faithful and uh, and just make every day count, I guess. You know, that's that's the biggest thing. And that's the biggest thing we can do. Um, but I want to start creating some more podcasts, some more content for you, because I know that some of us are not able to get to church every Sunday. We're not able to get out there. We're not able to, to be encouraged by the message, not able to be encouraged by the word. Um, and and that's a major part of our faith. That's a, that's a, a major active part of what it is we do because that helps us to refine each other that helps us to to care for one another that helps us to fellowship with each other uh, to cast our burdens to to lift each other up uh, so that's a that's a major major hit uh, for the Christian church and if we're not ready and if we're not invested in our faith if we're not trying to be active in our faith um, we're gonna miss those opportunities and we're gonna lose ground uh, in our belief, we're going to get shaken by the things that are going on out there. The world is a very, very scary place. Uh, just uh, last night, I went out and got some groceries. 
after work and a lot of the things that we get every day or that we we use every week we're not there there's no you know vegetables out there there's no canned goods there's no rice there's no water there isn't any um toilet paper which i think find kind of funny i don't i don't know about anybody else maybe this is just my strange sense of humor but this sickness has nothing to do with diarrhea so i'm i'm confused in what the overuse of toilet paper is going to be for but uh, maybe they're using it for a different reason. Uh, I know a lot of people are selling them online, and and uh, that's kind of that that kind of sucks. If if you're if you're going out there and you're starting to get supplies and you're starting to do this, just keep keep one thing in mind. Just take what you need. That's the most important thing. Just taking what you need for the time being. You know, you plan ahead. You're a little prudent. Um, you don't need 15 cases of toilet paper or 40 cases of water. The water's not going to get turned off. Um, I know here in Arizona that the government has already come out and said, like, look, we're not going to turn off your appliances even if you don't pay until this is all cleared up. Uh, we're going to go from there. And so the, they've made concessions and, and, and allowed those of us in the Western world who aren't used to catastrophe and who aren't used to having to uh, figure this out on our own. And I mean, we're really soft in that kind of sense. Um, but the government has made concessions to help us. To, to make sure that we can get back to a normal, sensible uh, kind of life um, and be able to get through the day-to-day -day without freaking out. And the reason why I say that, don't do that, don't go out and buy 50 cases of this, is because there's a large elderly population and um, individuals with disabilities who are not able to beat the crowds and get in there and get what it is that they need for their day-to-day -day survival, the, the stuff that they need to get through whatever's going to happen, the crisis. They, they may not have any family. If they're old enough, all their families has either moved out and gone on with their life or passed away. And they need to get those resources just as much as anyone else. So don't go over and above. Don't blow your budget on, you know, 15 cases of toilet paper and get crazy. Um, get what you need. Plan ahead. Be prudent. I mean, told our kids tonight, when we sit down and eat, I'm like, you eat everything. We're not wasting a single smidgen of anything. Um, you can buy books online, excuse me, sorry. You can buy books online um, where you start canning. I remember as a kid, uh, we did a lot of canning. We did a lot of fermenting. Um, that's something I plan on doing with our children. And think about the bonding moment that creates to that fellowship it creates with your family to be surrounded by something like that, uh, to take part in an activity like that um, that builds a, a stronger family to be able to do that. Anyway, I want to get into this quick lesson um, it kind of has to do with character, the, the character of, of, uh, of us. It's something I know myself right now I'm questioning as we get sucked into this vacuum of panic and pandemonia and, and watching the people around you freak out. And, and as a Christian, you're just trying to keep it together. And, you know, I, I'm married. I have two little children and I'm not trying to freak out because I don't want them to freak out. My sound mind, you know, God has not given us a, 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 a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of, you know, sound mind and uh, self-control and love. And these are things that God has given us. That's not, if we have that mindset right now of fear and we're timid and that's not the mindset that God has given us. He's given us one of love, power, and self-control. And we need to be able to be able to control ourselves, to be able to temper our emotions. And um, I want to encourage you with that because our singular hope, our primary hope rests solely and unequivocally on the hope that's in Christ. And Paul says it himself, if, if the resurrection didn't happen, we're to be pitied most of all because we've committed ourselves to something that's not true. Um, so we put all our hope in that. We put all our hope in Jesus. All of that is in that basket, okay? All of that's in there. Um, on a side note, 
Wuhan, the, the place where this, this infection started, uh, they've begun to go back to work. Uh, this started December 31st, we started having cases. Um, they went from having, I think, 2,000 or 9,000 in the month to only having 18. Um, I believe CNN or uh, The Daily Wire did an article on that saying, hey, look, everybody's going back to work over there. You know, it's been 90 days, it's run its course, um, some people have passed away. A lot of them have respiratory issues. They're older individuals or have some kind of medical complication that's underlying. Um, but for the vast majority of the people, 97% of people um, are surviving this and they're walking it off, you know. So don't, don't freak out. Try to use those things that God has given you, that sound mind, that love, and that power that God has given you to rise above what, um, what's going on in the culture. I said something to my wife the other day and I, I reread the text and... It was profound, and it wasn't supposed to be profound. Um, but I was telling her how crazy it was to have people out front of our store, and they were just ready to rush in. People were yelling and fighting. And and I was like, man, the devil's in the crowd. Like, you could just hear the anger and people just gnawing at each other, just waiting to get in. And, and it, it was just such that that demonic mindset of mine and me and for myself. And and that really, uh, that can shake people up. You know, especially when you see, you see this on movies, but when you see it in reality, it's it's very different. So I want to talk a little bit about character. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about what your character's like. I, I often say to the guys that I work with that the primary um, characteristic I look for in an individual working within our department is integrity, and that is doing the right thing even when nobody's looking. So you hit a car with a basket, um, you 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 know you bang something or you damage something or you drop something or you break something. If you're by yourself, you might walk it off and you might be able to live with with that guilt. Some people can. Some people can just switch off that conscience. Uh, Paul called it the searing of the conscience um, where you no longer hear that voice that's telling you this is the right thing or this is the wrong thing to do. Um, some people can live with that. So we're going to talk about somebody today in scripture who had a similar response to something that uh, they had done. And if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and open them up to Exodus and we're going to be in chapter 2, um, and you know what, I'm going, to, I'm going to pray, and we're going to get right into this. So, Father, we ask that this time, as we unpack your word, as we read it, uh, Father, we ask that you would bless this time. Whether this is uh, just an encouragement to somebody, whether this is teaching somebody something, whether this is just a voice crying out, Father, uh, somebody looking for uh, encouragement, Lord, we ask that all of those things would be satisfied in your name and for your glory and for your purposes. Lord, everything we do, we want to do in your name. We want to do it to the fullest of our ability uh, for you and for the sake of you, Lord. Um, Father, let your voice be heard. Uh, let your ideas be communicated. And protect me from any error uh, that I may or may not uh, add to this, this brief little message, Lord. So we love you, Father, and we just give this time to you in your name. Amen. So many of us have read the account of, of Moses. And I say account because it's not a story, all right? It's not this fictitious myth out there that we've passed down verbally uh, over generations. It is an actual legitimate account of Moses. We talk about Moses, how he was born a Jew and he was raised inside the palace of Pharaoh. And we're going to pick it up here in, uh, in chapter 2, verse 11. I'll just read, it, read out the section that we're going we're gonna to talk about here real quick and then and we'll go from there. So verse 11, it says, and I'm reading from the NIV. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched, watched them as they did their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Glancing this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. 
So now we have this kind of situation and scenario painted, right? Moses is now identifying kind of with his people. So he's going down there to see the people. He's still in this position of being in the Pharaoh's house, being part of Pharaoh's household. Uh, and he goes down to watch the Hebrew people um, work, do their hard labor, right? They're, they're building things for the, for the Egyptians. They're, um, this, this labor is extremely difficult. It's backbreaking. It's long, long hours, um, minimal food. And he goes down there to observe this, to watch this, to kind of take part. Now, Scripture doesn't say why he went down there to just kind of check it out. It doesn't fill in the gap there. But we have to wonder what it is his mindset was, what it is he was thinking when he went down there. This is verse 13. It says, the next day, so this is after he saw this Egyptian soldier beating this Hebrew man. And Scripture says in here that he looks this way and he looks that way. There's, there's a, a level of premeditation in here where he felt justified in his actions. He felt justified in what it is he was going to do that he already had in his heart. And he went ahead and did it swiftly. He killed the Egyptian man. He took the life of another human being and then tried to cover his tracks, tried to, to hide what it is he'd done. He had buried that body. Now we know that there's only one other witness to what actually happened, right? Because um, the, the Egyptian was beating a Hebrew, so it's implied that the Hebrew survived and he killed the Egyptian. So this other person is there and they took off. This is the next day, verse 13. He went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. And he asked, he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? Verse 14. The man said, who are you or who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you going to kill me just like you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have been made known. So I don't know about you if you've ever been in a situation where you've done something and no one's seen it and you think you're getting away with it and you can live with that guilt in your conscience. But then when you, you show up again to that, you kind of feel the air of maybe somebody knows something and, and that guilt begins to gnaw and kind of chew at you. And, and this is what's going on here with Moses. He thought he got away with it. But then when he shows up, this is this scripture in this passage doesn't indicate that this is the same Hebrew. It doesn't indicate that this is the same individual. And there were thousands of these Hebrews, right? There was thousands of these people already there. So somehow this two different, we're going to make that assumption that it's two different Hebrews were fighting among themselves and him feeling justified or vindicated for what he had done proceeded to try to mitigate what was happening, try to balance the scales, if you will, maybe be judge. And um, they called him out on it. And he realizes, oh no, everybody knows, everybody knows that I screwed up. And we've all been like this before in our lives. This is why we talk about integrity so much. Talk about integrity because it is the foundation for all of these other great characteristics in an individual. If you don't have integrity, you're not going to have honor. If you don't have integrity, you can't be trustworthy. If you don't have integrity, you're probably not going to be brave because you have to be fighting for the right things. And here we see a situation where Moses is being called out on, on his actions uh, and, and he's paying the price for it. He flees and then we know as we continue down the text that Pharaoh tries to come after him and kill him and he, and he, he leaves and he flees to Midian and he lives the next 40 years there. Moses' life is essentially lived out in three 40-year blocks. The 40 years when he identified in, in that, in the, um, with, with Pharaoh and then fleeing and living out there, and then 40 years of leading the Jewish people through the desert. But what I what I find really interesting, now we've all been there, we've all done things that um, 
that we struggle with. We have all done things that we were embarrassed about, that we wish we wouldn't have done. And then we know that devil is going to work us and roll us over the coals over and over again until our bodies are laid in the ground about that situation. Now we can allow that situation to fester. We can allow that situation to uh, control what it is we're going to do for God. Or we can use those situations. We can use what's happened to us uh, to move to move forward. And I think that those are critical, critical moments in our life. God used a man like Moses, who was a murderer, essentially, to lead his people, his chosen people, out of bondage and set up a nation for themselves. And through that nation, we would end up with Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Okay, so there's the plan for what God is doing. And we can't hide uh, the stuff that we've done in our past. We can't, we can try to mask it. We can try to make it something that it isn't. It's better for us just to embrace it, bring it into the light, lay it out in front of us. That means confessing it to a brother, uh, getting it off your chest. Maybe you have to pay some restitution or maybe you have to, you have to spend some time in, in jail for it. But God is going to use that. He's going to use you. If you hide in shame, if you hide those things in your life, you will not be as effective for the kingdom than if you were to bring those things into the light. Like Moses fled and he spent 40 years someplace else and then God called him. But the unique thing about this is that when you look at the book of Exodus, right, which is the story of this, this chapter about Moses and fleeing and all of the, the, the bad things that he did and, and all of that, it's just two chapters. That's it. It's two chapters and it's done. The rest of this is focusing on on the exodus on him leading people we've got all of these chapters afterwards that are focusing on that legacy of stepping out in faith and struggling right he struggled like crazy at point at one point he just asked god to, to kill him he's lord just take me take me now these people are so difficult right but all of these other chapters about his life i'm going to show you right here all of this section right here this, this piece right here, this is all about him being faithful and moving forward in faith. Putting that stuff behind himself and moving forward. And as Christians, I feel like we struggle a lot. There's 40 chapters in here. Two of them have to do with his failure and everything else is about striving forward. And we do that as Christians. We question our faith. We question our obedience. We question where we're at with the Lord. I remind you that if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have, if you're trusting his redemptive plan plan for your life then everything that he paid for on the cross covers all of that there's nothing that you can do that will undo what jesus has already done for you okay there's nothing in your immediate past if god is calling you and he's he's leading you and you are responding to him in obedience to what he's doing and moving forward then that's that's a good thing those are great steps you probably hear my little ones right now screaming in the other room but Christian, struggling in your faith, fighting in your faith, wondering about where you're at, let me remind you that there are people in Scripture that God used that were would be considered horrifically jacked up, but he chooses to use people like that to move his kingdom forward. So if you're struggling, look, look, at, these, look at these accounts, not these stories, these accounts of these individuals who are striving forward in spite of what's happened. You know, it's not going to be easy. Maybe you've done something to your family. Maybe you've done something to somebody else in your community and you're going to have to live with those consequences. 
that's just a natural process of, of, you know, you make a choice, a decision, and there's consequences that come with that. But it goes the other way, too. When you make good decisions, there are good consequences that come with that. So stay faithful to the process all the way to the end, all the way to the very last bit. Stay faithful to it. So for the glory of the Lord and the hope of the nations, stay the course.